Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can be here um, on this cold December day. But, Lord, warm our hearts with your word. And these parables are given to us to tell us something. And, Lord, we want to be ones that are right now, that we are just attentive, that we are teachable, that you would soften our hearts to receive the word, that you would open our ears spiritually. There's something here for us. And, Lord, that all scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness, for correction. Um, And, Lord, we just pray that your word um, would just touch our hearts in a deep way. Teach us right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you've been traveling with us in Matthew here in this chapter, you recall that the chapter opened up with Jesus He's in the house. He goes to the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, Probably he's in Capernaum on the north side of the sea. And he comes to the shores, and he's sitting there. And all of a sudden, the multitudes, which are great in number at this point in Jesus' ministry, they they come to him, and, and they have been, as we have seen, to receive from him. So Jesus takes the opportunity. He gets into a boat, and he goes out a little bit, and he uses that natural amphitheater kind of setting using the water to amplify his voice. And verse 3 of the chapter tells us that he spoke to them many things in parables. And as you know, that para means alongside of. That parables, there's seven of them that he tells in this chapter. We know that six of them are called the kingdom parables because he begins the parable by saying the kingdom of heaven is like. So they are earthly stories, stories that they could understand. Like the first parable that he told, uh, the parable of the sower going out and sowing seeds. It's an agricultural area. They could picture a sower sowing seeds on different types of of soils and and how the the plant would germinate. They could understand the the story. They could understand leaven uh, being mixed in with the meal and then spreading throughout the loaf. Uh, They could understand the wheat and the tares growing together. They could understand the net, the dragnet, the parable that we will read next time. So they can understand the stories, but it was alongside to give a spiritual truth. They didn't always understand the spiritual truth with it. So Jesus' seven parables, we have looked at four of them. And what we're going to see now is that Jesus, after he speaks to the multitude, the first four parables, he's going to go back into the house. The disciples are going to come to him, and they're going to ask for the explanation of the wheat and the tares, that parable that he told. And then he's going to tell three more parables in the chapter. So he, he's still here speaking to the multitudes, as we have seen, the first four parables. We saw last week the parable of the mustard seed that grew into a tree to have birds that came and made their nests. We talked about that parable. Also, the parable of the leaven in the meal, how it spreads. And in those parables, we saw that it speaks of that evil will come into the church, abnormal growth of a mustard plant uh, that can host and uh, birds, and, and birds can make nests. That's not normal. And birds, according to his interpretation of this Uh, the parable of the sower, that the birds came and took the seed from the hard ground, that 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 was Satan. So we have looked at that very carefully. I would review it if you didn't listen to that study. And as we continue here, we're going to see 
that Jesus is now going to explain the parable of the wheat and the tares. I want to read that parable to you, and then we're going to move on. Let's read in verse 24 of chapter 13, the parable of the wheat and the tares again, that another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while man slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? In verse 38, he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, Let no, lest you gather up the tares and also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. And as Jesus tells of this parable, uh, he uh, tells it. And, and then we saw the parable of the mustard seed. Told, saw the parable of the leaven. Let's continue reading in verse 34. And all these things, and this is where we left off last time, Jesus spoke to the multitudes in parables. And without a parable, he did not speak to them. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. And then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. And the disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the terrors of the field. So Jesus sends the multitude away now. He goes back into the house. The disciples come to him and ask for further instruction. And as we gather here, one of the things that this reminds me of is that we would have a heart that we would say, Lord, I want to be instructed. Uh, that, Lord, I want to be taught. That my heart may be soft before you. That, Lord, open my ears spiritually. That I want to make application. I want to know what you're saying, Lord. There's something here for me. Every time that we have a devotion, every time we read our Bibles, every time that we gather and we study the word corporately, uh, I hope that it isn't just, well, I'm going to go to church and I've heard a sermon. I'm going to split out the door because I went to church and I'm hungry and I want to eat lunch. Listen, after doing three services, I'm hungry too after the third service. But what I hope and pray is that we would have a hunger for the word of God. That, Lord, feed me. You have something for me. And really believe that the word of God is profitable. That, that Lord, I want to hear from you. Uh, that it is all God-breathed, put to the page, profitable for instruction and in righteousness, for reproof, for correction, for doctrine, as Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. So, Lord, teach me. There's something here for me. Touch my heart. Take your word and work it deep within my heart that it may be like good soil, that it is planted there and takes root there. It produces fruit in my life. So we want to say, Father, what's in this for me today? And allow God through the Holy Spirit to teach us. Give us application to touch us deeply. Now Jesus begins to explain the parable of the terrors as we pick it up again in verse 37. And he answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire... 
so it will be at the end of this age. And the Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And in verse 43, then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Seven times from the lips of Jesus in the Gospels, he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Twice we read that in this chapter. Jesus has been teaching about the kingdom of heaven. Hey, there are birds that, that nest in an unnaturally large mustard seed. There is leaven hidden in the meal. And now there is tares that grow with the wheat. And in Jesus' explanation of the parable of the wheat and tares, Jesus identifies the one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. Now, I want you to keep that in mind. When we go over next week, we won't get to it uh, next time, that the parable of the hidden treasure, that as we can understand the meanings of this parable by the two that he explains in this chapter, this one and the parable of the, the sower who is sowing seeds. And as we have that consistency of letting Scripture, you know, interpret Scripture, uh, expositional consistency is what we call it, keep in mind that the world, um, the field is the world that he says here. And, and he continues to give this explanation uh, that the wheat from the good seeds are sons of the kingdom, or that is, the genuine believers that are born again. They have come to have a genuine conversion. They're heaven-bound. And the enemy who comes, he comes and he sows the bad seed, uh, the tares. That's the devil himself. Uh, and the deceiver of the brethren who comes in under the cover of darkness to do his evil deeds. There will be false believers there will be false teachers and prophets and, and ministers that will be there amongst the wheat, the believers, claiming to belong to Jesus Christ. You've heard the saying that there are believers, there's unbelievers, and there's make-believers. And what intrigues me about all of this is when we look at these parables, because the birds, the leaven, the terror speak of that which seemingly claims to be part of the church. Now, you remember at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, that it was Jesus that said, Beware of false brethren who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravages wolves. And not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father and many... Not a few, but many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, done many wonders in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who are workers of iniquity or you who practice lawlessness. Now, over the years, I've had many people call me or email me or talk to me. What does that mean? What does that mean? Because it troubled them. Here's those who are saying, Lord, Lord, they're doing mighty works, prophesying in his name, doing wonders in his name. And here the Lord says that many will say to me in that day, didn't we do this? And I will declare to them, and here's the key, that I never knew you. You see, it's not about a lot of activities. It's not about doing wonders. It's not about religion. I've told you this. Religion never saved anyone. It's about relationship. 
Jesus said, I didn't know you. There was no personal relationship they had with the Lord. There was no coming to him and surrendering to him and, and, and allowing him to sit upon the throne of their hearts and lives as, as Lord and Savior. I don't know you. And you see, as Jesus in the previous chapter, he said, a good tree is going to produce good fruit, remember? A bad tree is going to produce bad fruit. Uh, we know that Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, you will know uh, a tree by its fruit. And what happens oftentimes is that Christians will equate good works Activities, even miracles, with good fruit. Listen, you got to be careful. We talked about it again in chapter 12, what good fruit is. As the scripture tells us, the fruit of the Spirit is love and gentleness and kindness and peace and joy and, and long-suffering. You can go through the list. Uh, the, the fruit of our lips given praise to his name, the fruit of our labor, the fruit of giving, that as we abide in Christ personally, then we will produce fruit. It's he that produces the fruit in us. It's not necessarily good works. And I think that you know that to be true because there are secular groups out there that they claim to have good works. Look at our fruit. They're feeding the homeless. They're giving to people. They're helping people, but they don't know the Lord. They're very hostile towards the Lord. So good fruit is not necessarily good works. We want to have good works, but godly works, and that our fruit is being produced by the Lord. And so all that that we've gone over, and the Lord's saying that you are one that I don't know you. You didn't come to me, even though you prophesied in my name, even though you said, Lord, Lord, even as you did many wonders in, you know, your name, Lord, they said, that you're workers of iniquity. So as we read these parables, number one, if you're taking notes, you can write down that the Bible warns against false brethren, Matthew chapter 7. The second thing that the Bible warns about in the New Testament is false leaders, Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, here's Paul, that he um, is speaking to the elders at Miletus, uh, the elders at Ephesus for the very last time. Acts chapter 19, you know that his third missionary journey, that he made his base of operation there in Ephesus, and, and the, the, the church exploded. There was a lot of fruit that came from that third missionary journey. Uh, the whole city was given over to the gospel. They were burning their magic books, as you read Acts chapter 19. They stopped buying the idols to where the silversmiths came against Paul. He was driven out of the city. Paul taught at the school Tyrannus for two years, and young disciples went out throughout proconsular Asia and planted church, churches there in Asia Minor. And you read about many of those churches that Jesus wrote a letter to there in Revelations chapters 2 and 3. So a lot of fruit came out and, and blessing out of that third missionary journey. But Paul, he's driven out. He was persecuted very heavily. When he was driven out, he writes to the Corinthian believers that you know that when we came out of Asia, that we were pressed beyond measure. We were despaired even of life. But the God of comfort who comforts us in all of our tribulations will comfort you. And he speaks of the comfort of the Lord. And if you're here and it feels like you've been pressed beyond measure, that the Lord desires to bring comfort to you as you look to him, and as you just trust in him and rest in his love. So Paul, he comes to Miletus. He calls for the Ephesian elders. He speaks to them for the last time. I love Acts chapter 20 
because it's the ultimate pastor's conference. And he's just pouring out his heart to them. And he says, you know what manner of man I was in all seasons when I first came to you? How I held nothing back and how I went from house to house preaching the gospel, even though I was persecuted by my brethren. And he says that the Holy Spirit has been testifying to me that chains and tribulations await me in Jerusalem, but none of these things that I count dear to myself, that I counted all joy for the gospel that has been set before me. I'm determined to finish my race with joy. And I think what an incredible man Paul was. Because I want to be able to say that, no matter how difficult it gets, to be able to say that, Lord, I want to finish my race with joy with the ministry of the gospel that you've given to me. I haven't shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God's word. And then he began to warn them. He said to them that after my departure, savage wolves are going to come in, not sparing the flock. From among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. Don't you remember how I warned you day and night for three years? So Paul was saying that they're going to come, those speaking perverse things, savage wolves, not sparing the flock. You can always tell a wolf by what a wolf eats. They devour sheep. They devour Christians. And they lead them astray. And just, they're bad news. And Paul says, I warned you with many tears for three years, day and night. And that's what happened. You go and read the pastoral epistles of First and Second Timothy. You see that as Timothy later on would be pastoring the church of Ephesus. When Paul was writing the second letter to the Corinthians, I love that letter because he's just pouring out his heart to them. And he says to them that when we first came to you, we didn't come peddling the gospel. We came to serve you, not to take from you. We're not here to rule over you, but to be helpers of your joy. Because you see these, these guys that called themselves most eminent apostles had come into the church, and they were putting Paul down. They said, don't listen to Paul. Don't look to him. He, he's simple. You know, you need to listen to us. And they were ruling over the people with a very heavy hand. And, and Paul speaks about that. And it's interesting that Paul says to them, to that Corinthian church, a church that he established on his second missionary journey, and when he went into Corinth, the church exploded. But they always kind of held Paul out at arm's length. And as Paul speaks about how you guys are living epistles, written in your hearts and men's heart, the Lord is real, but the more that I love you guys, the less I am loved by you. Some of you, you've felt that, haven't you? That you've said, I'm going to continue to love this person. I'm going to continue to minister to them. And it seems like the less that they love you. And Paul the Apostle, as you hear his heart, he says to them, that is, I consider that I am not at all inferior to these most eminent apostles. And he would say, for you put up with it if one brings you into bondage, if one devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, and one strikes you on the face. These guys were punching the people in the face. And they were putting up with it. 
And Paul says that they are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. He said, listen, Satan can transform himself into an angel of light. Will you always remember that? He is a deceiver, a master counterfeiter. And his ministers will transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. We know in the New Testament that we see again that there's warning against false teachers and, and false leaders that are uh, amongst the church. You can read that. Thirdly, number three. So false brethren, false leaders. Thirdly, a false gospel. Galatians chapter 1. The first epistle that Paul wrote in the New Testament was to the Galatian churches. He, and immediately he starts out that I marvel that you're turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. If anyone, even an angel, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be a curse. And just so that they would he would emphasize what he's saying to them, I say to you again that if even an angel preaches any other gospel than what we have brought to you, let that angel be a curse. I tell every Mormon they should read that verse because they believe that the angel Moroni came to Joseph Smith and said there's another gospel written in eformy Egyptian hydroglyphics, golden plates buried in the hill in New York, and you'll find another gospel. So Paul gives warning about that, a false gospel. There are those who have come along given a false gospel. You got the prosperity gospel, which is not the gospel. You got others that will come along and, and, and they will give a false good news. And it's important for us to understand what the true gospel is. Good news of Jesus Christ that brings us salvation. So you have false brethren, false leaders, false gospel. Uh, fourthly, a false righteousness. Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 3, talked about his brethren, the Jews, had a zeal for God, but their zeal was not based on knowledge since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own righteousness but did not submit to God's righteousness. Every single one of us, I'll put money on it. Every single one of us knows somebody that thinks that they're going to make it to heaven on their own righteousness. I'm a good person. <clears throat> when I stand before God, I'll be okay. My good weighs out, you know, weighs my bad. That I'll present my own righteousness to the Lord. And you see, Paul was talking about his brethren who were trusting in the law. He said, the law is not going to save you. It's faith in Jesus Christ alone. And we can't present our righteousness to the Lord. So there are those that many of us that we know that they have a false righteousness. Uh, number five, false Christ. When we get to the Olivet Discourse, as Jesus is talking about the signs of his coming, that the very first thing that he says, that don't be deceived, that there will be many that will come in my name claiming to be me. They are deceptive. They're false Christ. He warns again in the Olivet Discourse, all throughout the New Testament, that we are told that there are going to be an increase in false Christ, Messiahs, that will be on the scene. They will say, come out here and look for him here. And we know that throughout church age that there have been those who are false Messiahs that come on the scene. 
But what we're going to see in the last days, in the tribulation period, that there is going to be one that will come on the scene called the Antichrist. Anti-against Christ, but also instead of Christ. And he's going to deceive the whole world with mighty signs and wonders. We're going to talk more about it in New Year's Eve Prophecy Update as we're going to be in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. In Paul, it's an incredible chapter, those first 12 verses that are there that we're going to look at. He says, don't be shaken or troubled. That's why I'm entitling the message, don't be troubled. Twice. Concerning the rapture of the church, don't be troubled. There are some things that are going to be happening with the birth pangs. We need to be aware of it. But what we see is that Paul says that this one, the the man of sin, the son of perdition, the Antichrist, will go into the temple of God to be worshipped as God, proclaim himself as God. And the whole world, Revelation chapter 13 says, will turn to him and begin to worship the beast and marvel at the beast. He's going to work lying signs and wonders, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, along with the false prophet that will be on the scene pointing everybody to the Antichrist. He will be working wonders in Revelation chapter 13. He's able to call down fire from heaven. Remember we went over that the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, show us a sign. They were looking for something like that, fire from heaven or something. So there are false Christ, and then there's false church. In the last days, there's going to be a false church, a worldwide false church in the book of Revelation. But also we know that there's false churches today. So those who come along and feed, uh, that bring a false gospel because they preach a false Jesus, they say, we're the true church. We're the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. See, we believe in Jesus Christ. It's a false church. And listen, I'm not trying to be nasty or negative, but that is the truth that they believe Jesus is the brother of Lucifer, a created being, that you can become God yourself. So it's a false church. We know that the Jehovah Witnesses, we, we know that there are cults that are out there, but even in the last generation, there have been denominations and, and churches that at one time stood on the gospel, they no longer stand on the gospel. Matter of fact, the gospel is offensive to them. And this whole progressive theology and And we know that there's false churches. It's going to lead to a falling away to where there's going to be a worldwide false church on the scene in the tribulation period. You know, in the early church, that we know that um, as it was growing, Satan persecuted the church very heavily under Caesar Nero. That's where Paul and Peter were executed under his rule. Nero was terrible. He was horrible. He burnt Christians at the stake. He, he did terrible things. At the end of the first century, Domitian, his persecution was very heavy against the Christians. It was more systematic. And Domitian's the one that had John exiled to the island of Patmos, where he ended up receiving the apocalypse, the revelation of Jesus Christ. The church continued to grow. And Satan, he had another tactic, not only persecuting the church, But also, he said, I'll join the church. And through his deception and lies and workings, he has been very effective in bringing corruption and deception in that which is false in the church. And that's why the parable of the wheat and the tares is telling us, not only has Jesus already warned his disciples 
that we have seen about persecution that is coming, but also about the infiltration of the evil one into the church. The terrors are going to grow along with the wheat. But in the end, when the Son of Man returns, he will send his angels to separate the wheat, the true believers, and you will shine forth as the sons in the kingdom. Sometimes young people say, I want to shine forth in life. Follow the Lord. Walk with him. Know him. Worship him. And you're going to shine forth. The terrors are going to be thrown into the furnace of fire. So what does this mean for you and for me? Number one, again, for those of you who like to jot down some notes or take notes or remember this. What it means for, for us is it's very important for us to have discernment. As I said last week, I'm very concerned about the church, the falling away from truth. It was Isaiah in his day that said the condition of his day that you're calling evil good and, and good evil. And we're seeing that today, even in those who claim to be a part of the church. And it is amazing to me how Christians will get caught up into that which is very deceptive. And the reason is, is because they don't know the word of God. And things come blowing into the church and they get all worked up over it. And I see it over and over and over again. And they'll believe just about anything. It's important for us to have discernment. And it was John that said, you test the spirits to see if they are God. Because many false teachers or prophets have gone out into the world. And we are told, even as Paul was the great theologian preaching in Berea, that the Bereans searched the scriptures to see if these things be so. And if you are not one that is taking heed to the word of God, you're going to be deceived. I don't care how smart you think you are. You will get deceived. And you will not have discernment, spiritual discernment. And the enemy is really smart. And he will deceive you. And he is good at it. He's been doing it a long time. Get grounded in the word of God that you may have discernment. The word of God is our final authority. Can I say that again? The word of God is our final authority. Amen? So we test it. And if it isn't in the word of God, then lay it aside. Number two, not only to have discernment, but you be watching. And that's very important for us as Christians that, that we be watchful, sober, vigilant, all through the New Testament. Don't go to sleep spiritually. Don't get lazy spiritually, not in these days. Verse 25, while men slept, while they slept, the enemy came by the cover of night and he sowed the bad seeds. This, they're going, what happened here? The owner said, I know what happened. It was the enemy that did this. I can't help but think about, remember Jesus in the garden right before he's arrested? He goes to pray, and he takes Peter, James, and John, and he said, you guys stay here, watch and pray, lest you fall into temptation. He goes off and prays. He comes back. They're sleeping. It does that three times. They're sleeping. Finally, it says that Jesus was watching over them. And I think that as he's watching over them, he is looking at the line of men, the detachment of troops that are coming from Caiaphas' house through Jerusalem, through the Kidron Valley, up into the Garden of Gethsemane. If you are sleeping spiritually, the enemy is going to be coming. 
and he's going to be plotting, and he's going to be planning. And if you are asleep spiritually, he's going to be able to come to where he's more effective at holding you in bondage and coming and getting a foothold in your life. Don't go to sleep spiritually. That's why throughout the New Testament, Jesus said, you be watchful in all things. We see Paul says, you watch. You be watchful. That is an exhortation. Peter says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So it's important for us to be watching. When we go through Ezekiel, we're going to talk about the watchman on the wall. We're to be watchmen on the wall. We'll talk about how important it is for us to be that in the day in which we are living in. Parents, be watchful when it comes to your kids. Be watchful in the things that are being said. Have discernment. And thirdly, when we see these things, these false, corrupt things in the church, it doesn't surprise us. It should concern you, but don't let it surprise you. Because I talk to Christians, it's like, you know, you don't want to listen to that. That's false. And it's like, they're all offended. Well, you mean, how can you be speaking about that person? They're so loving, and what they say sounds so good. It's false. It's going to lead you astray. Don't be surprised. They're all surprised. When I first became a Christian, I would be. It's like, ooh, you know, I was so surprised by it. Now I'm not. And people will call me and, and they'll say, what about this person? What about this group? I can't keep up with it anymore. I, I really, I can't. There's so many false voices that are out there. When it comes to end time prophecy even, you know, in March, they, they talk about March Madness. You know, we, we didn't have it this year, but March Madness. At the end of the year, it's December Madness. And all the voices that are out there and all the things. So you got people that are into the new apostolic reformation and we're going to take over the world and we're going to usher in the second coming. It's not going to happen. Not because Pastor Jeff said so, because the word of God says that it's going to be great tribulation such as the world has never seen or ever will see again. There are those that are given over to false concepts. Don't be surprised. I remember when we first came to Greeley, you know, I uh, had all these pastors and even Christians say, you need to get involved in this new move of the Spirit. The Holy Ghost bartender's coming to Greeley. <laughs> and he's going to show you how to laugh in the Spirit and how to bark in the Spirit and how to howl like a wolf or something in the Spirit. It's like, really? Where in the Bible is that? So things come blowing through the church. Make sure that you are discerning. Run it through the scriptures. Be watchful. And the things that are in the scripture, those who are grounded in God's word, don't give a second look. They're not caught up in all of that. It may sound good. It may please the flesh. It, you may even see mighty works. But you test it. Because many false teachers have gone out into the world. Be wise. Check out what I say. Be a Berean. And the one that the Lord's going to use in the days in which we're living in is the one who's grounded in God's word. There is safety and security in the word of God and God's wisdom, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 33. There is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that every man and woman may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen? Amen. Let's continue in the word of God. Let's continue to go through the scriptures.
Let's be instructed, comforted by the scriptures, and then God wants to use us to be able to speak that truth and love to others, to bring correction and a spirit of gentleness to others. And we can do that as you just continue to grow in God's word. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for uh, these warnings that are given to us and these parables that we can learn from. We do want to be students of the word. We want to continue to, Lord, be a workman who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And, Lord, um, that's the way to growth, to maturity. It's the way to keep safe, have discernment, to be watching spiritually. We don't want to go to sleep spiritually because we are living in days where Paul said that there will be those given over to doctrines of demons. There are those who will heap up for themselves teachers, having itchy ears, given over to myths and fables. That it is perilous times. And so, Lord, we are here for such a time as this. So ground us in your truth. Grow us in your word. May be planted there to produce fruit in our lives. And I also want to pray, Lord, if there's anyone who's listening to this message, or maybe you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, listen, religion will not save you. Listening to a Bible study will not save you. It is making a commitment to Jesus Christ. He is your salvation. There is none other. You can't present your own righteousness. It won't work. Your own goodness. None of us are good enough. That's why Jesus came to die for your sins, to make atonement for your sins. He loves you, and he says, come. Repent, turn the direction that you're going, and come to me. And when you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Asking him to sit upon the throne of your life as your personal Lord and Savior. Today is the day of salvation. Just in your heart, you, you say, Lord, I come to you and ask that you forgive me of my sins, that you are the way. You're the way to forgiveness to the Father. And I ask that you forgive me a sinner. Sit upon the throne of my life as my personal Lord and Savior, and I want to know you and walk with you, learn of you. I thank you for this new beginning. Thank you for bringing me into the family of God in Jesus' name. And for all of us as we leave this place, Lord, keep us safe. Help us proclaim that message, the good tidings, the great joy that will be to all peoples. Jesus Christ, born in the city of David, Christ the Lord, who went to a cross to bring forgiveness and to bring eternal life. Lord, just bless us as we go our way. Bless our week in every way in Jesus' name. Would you please stand? I'm here to pray with you. If anybody made a decision for the Lord or if you need prayer for anything, the Lord bless you. Wednesday, Lamentations, don't forget these cards. Love to see them go. Invite somebody to Christmas Eve service. Travis is going to close us. fears the savior of the world appears the promise of eternal years christ
God bless you guys. Stay warm and safe today. We'll see you next time.